Jack's RPG Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Max! Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Hi guys, welcome to <laughs> the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. I'm always off my cue, and I'm your moderator for tonight. I'm your stand-in stew, Abria, and we have a very special episode for you. Ooh. We're going to talk about people of color in the gaming space, and diversity, and all of those really interesting things that like we strive to show within our games and ethically, but might be a little uncomfortable to talk about. So we are your panel of friendly people of color here <laughs> to help and answer questions. So we actually have a couple submissions, but first, let's introduce everyone. Hi, I'm Jim. Pooja. Hey, Jay. How are you? Nice. Awesome. Um, so yeah, let's just jump into it. Who wants to read the first email? Oh, okay, yeah. I have it open, so I'm going to yeah. read it. Oh, hold on. I haven't finished introing anything properly. It's like, <laughs> it's like I don't even go here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who are talk. these people? What is this room we're in? <laughs> I don't understand. Okay, so in this episode, Elderman writes about fantasy races and RPGs and how they're bad. Fredericks writes in about portraying PCs of color. And Eric writes in about his gaming group's lack of diversity. So, uh, here's an everyday question also. Uh, Bobcat asks about a good scenario for first-time players. And don't forget, please send in all of your questions to us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com, and we can put you up and talk about you on future episodes of the podcast. Uh, Don't forget to follow us on social media at happyjacksrpg on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and MeWe, which I... I don't know what that is. is. <laughs> Do you know what it is? I have no idea. Okay. Well, All right, cool. So you won't be talking to any of us on Me Week. You will. There, there will be, be other someone. people. There's There'll someone. be other people who I'm going to make one joke, is. and it's my one for the thing, and I'm pretty sure it's white nonsense. I don't think it's real. <laughs> we asked the panel of the only black people in RPG games, and we've not heard <laughs> so. it. So. All right, that was one bad joke, and please don't at me later. <laughs> <laughs> that was the one. That's the only really... I know. Right. It's at Right. It was a wasted opportunity. Oh, shit. On blast. Uh, <laughs> all right. Who wants to start off by reading? Okay. So, yeah. Right. I mean, I've got it open. So yeah, <laughs> do it. As I am the only gun on the correct page. Yep. We are so prepared. So prepared. Y'all. Okay. So better prepared. All right. Fantasy races and RPGs, they're bad from Elderman. Um, hello, Happy Jacks. I was listening to your response to Eric about playing a bigot in Season 23, Episode 17. The discussion touched on fantasy races and role-playing games. For what it's worth, I thought you guys approached a delicate topic well. As well as we're going to? (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) Uh, Fantasy races and RPGs have been bothering me more and more as I've returned to the hobby as an adult. Bit by bit, I'm getting clearer in my head about why, and I'd like to share my thoughts. I don't know if you'll want to share this email on your show... But I'm okay if you do, which is good, because we're totally sharing it right now. Sharing the crap out of this. <laughs> I appreciate Kimmy's point that RPGs offer a safe way to talk about racism. I've used RPGs that way myself. However, I still think fantasy races are bad in role-playing and should change, and I want to try and convince you of why. The basic point is the one Stu made that fantasy races offer a way of making it comfortable to think in a bigoted way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm just one guy. 
But it seems to me that the first thing to keep in mind about race is that, biologically speaking, it just doesn't exist. Race is a social construct. That doesn't make it less real, but it means that race doesn't mean the same thing in every place, at every time, or to every person. In the real world, white doesn't mean the same thing in New York, in Marseille, in Tokyo, in Port Moresby? I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. I've never heard of it before. (laughs) And in Nairobi. It doesn't mean the same thing to me and to my brother. The same goes for black or any other racial category. If you don't want to take my word for this, it would be difficult to convince you succinctly. But for example, there are members of my family who are white in India and black in the USA. However, in RPGs with fantasy races, rule is uh, sorry, race is a rule established by the game system. Maybe not in all of them, but in most popular RPGs, an elf is an elf, a human is a human, a dwarf is a dwarf, an orc is an orc to every person throughout the world. Their racial identity isn't constructed. It's a fact on a character sheet or in the stat block. The category dwarf doesn't change according to whether you're in Waterdeep or Winterkeep. That version of race is the opposite of the truth, and it gets the most important thing wrong. Furthermore, thinking about race as an essential fact of the universe is a racialized way of thinking. It's how racists think. It's also how that little part in each of us that is a little racist imagines the world. It seems to me that thinking this way doesn't make you a racist in a pejorative sense, but it certainly is racist in the sense that it puts people into imaginary racial categories. So when an RPG presents a character's race as an immutable part of their identity, instead of as a box imposed on them by society, they invite you to think in a racist way. In order to play the game, you have to treat race as real in a way that real-world racial identity can never be real. Since the first thing to keep in mind about race, in this man's opinion, is the fact that it's an artifact of society, not a law of the universe, and since this most important thing is false in an RPG world, RPGs falsify the nature of race. This means that, for me, when fantasy races enter the mix, enter the mix, Kimmy and Tappy's idea of taming racism through play results in taming the wrong idea of racism. It encourages a player to get comfortable with race as an innate characteristic, and that's something we should never get comfortable with simply because it's wrong. It's an idea that's factually incorrect and morally morally reproachable. This is specifically a problem with fantasy races because elf, dwarf, orc, or human is often one of the first things you identify about a player character, and it's baked in the mechanics of many game systems. I still agree with Kimmy and Tappy and Eric that RPGs can be a great, safe way to explore difficult ideas. I played in a session of Dream Askew last weekend that was really eye-opening. RPGs can help us all learn more empathy, and they can be a good way to explore racism, too. But fantasy races are a racist fantasy. All caps. (laughs) Not all caps, but all the words were capitalized. (laughs) At least in all the games I've ever played or read. How can RPGs do better? I'm so glad you asked. I hope you have an answer, because I'm leaving that to you. (laughs) (laughs) Elderman. P.S. That was heavy going, for me at least. Drink! P.P.S. Boring disclaimers. I don't particularly know any more about this topic than the ordinary layman. I don't want to put myself out there as an expert. I've never taken a college course on the topic. I don't read books about racism. So maybe what I'm saying here is bad and wrong in some way I can't see. I'm just writing based on my own thoughts and based on my own life experiences. 
which have included more than the average amount of international travel. Plus, I've read a lot of game books. <laughs> okay. uh, cool. Oh, welcome to that club. Nice. All right. Yeah. Sweet. I just want to come out of the gate and say I appreciate the the attempts to like not only like couch your own experiences while explaining how you understand race, but I think there's a lot of really like salient points here as far as understanding of race being like D and D is a very like colonizer game. It's something of yeah. conquest and categorization and othering things so that you can mentally justify like killing, killing them and taking their steps. steps. We were actually just oh, having yeah. this conversation yeah. a yeah. couple of minutes before we started the podcast where like kind of everybody's first D and D campaign is how do we kill this and take its stuff? Or yeah. how do we get by this so we can take its stuff? Like, <laughs> you know, if we can't kill it, right. how do we sneak past it to take its stuff? So it's not like, you know, people's first experiences with D&D are often like, how best do we kill all the things? Right, well, right. D&D is derived from very Tolkien-esque uh, fiction. Well, he sort of established this kind of high fantasy fiction. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And the Tolkien... World, world that he built is based sort of like an, on, as an aftermath of world wars that were very racially charged and uh, were uh, also uh, it saw the rise of fascism, which you know if you can't get more racist than that, and uh, it's a reflection of that culture and that world that he lived in. Also, British imperialism. Let's not yeah. forget. let's yes, not forget he's British so imperialism. British and he's never forgotten it. No, so let's not. let's not <laughs> so let's uh, never forget that the sun did finally set on the British Empire. Yeah, it most definitely. It is set in the game's DNA. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and he brought that up, and that's actually a fact. When you first say, uh, "I'm playing a dwarf fighter," the first word that comes in the descriptive part of it is dwarf. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're you're saying that's part of the character's identity, and it's part of what. A, a major part of what he is, and it's not sort of like this is the person, and this is what he does, which is how we want to evaluate people on a general basis based on their own merits. But I mean, I'd argue this about D and D that, and this thing that he brings up here is that there's kind of a like a lighting of a thing with the term race. Yeah, yeah. that and like when you're talking about D and D, you're really talking about different species. species. Yes, of species. And yes. that was my biggest takeaway in terms of like when you try to align real-world race with fantasy role-playing game race, we're not actually talking about the same race at all. We are talking about race versus species. Right, exactly. And like and it yeah. allows because of that it allows like a different sort of institutional or like built-in racism creep in, which is that like everyone makes a white person if they're human. Yeah. Somehow all oh, the humans yes. are almost always white and pretty Nordic. Um, <laughs> oh, so, and so Nordic. It just makes like it allows you to like revert to a white human as normal. Yeah. But right. you know, a green orc is a green orc, and it's just like that's. I feel like that's more the trick than worrying about you know a half dwarf or whatever. Yeah. Because like it'd be like being a half horse. If my dad was a horse and my mom was a person, I would be a half a horse. Well, that's a centaur. That's called a well, centaur. The, the one that's how made? centaurs are made, though. <laughs> Wait, but do you know that for sure? I'm pretty sure that's have you not tried how it? I have, have <laughs> not tried it. No. Experiment heavily, um, but that, the only game that I that I remember that actually had a half dwarf, they were called mules. That, that because they were moles, right? Uh, yeah. But because you know they were they were this, they they couldn't reproduce on their own. It was basically just like a a, a jackass. Um, yeah. yeah. But 
that, that doesn't make it any better. Doesn't make it no, any uh, better, but nope. I'm just saying it's it's really fucked up and interwoven with a lot of shit because yep. you're absolutely right. An elf is of a, a completely different species than a human being. There there's a genetic divergence not only culturally but as in their in their physicality. They're basically immortal yada yada yada. Does that really count as a race or does it count as a species and does it really have ramifications in the way that we think. Yes, it does. And just like what you said, because it normalizes a certain type of thought. Right. Because yeah. you, you're, you're making correlations versus with what you see, with what you, what you uh, expect, and that causes basically a, a cognitive predisposition that's sort of the key of racism. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. And that's not to say, like, I mean, there are definitely issues with, especially how in Tolkien's universe, different Races, tiny quotation marks, so yeah. species are portrayed. Oh, right. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like so problematic. Ooh, so problematic. Yeah. Yeah. But like without, you know, opening myself up for a whole world of internet hate right now, like let's just agree that that there was some shit in the 50s that was really bad that's not acceptable <laughs> now. We can all say like yeah, that yes. wasn't cool yeah. and move on. Yeah, the, But the problem is like when you talk about a system like the gaming systems that most of us play and most of us started out with, that those problemat- problematic elements are actually baked in. Mm-hmm. So even in my opinion more than than that race is a social construct and therefore fantasy species should be a social construct as much as that. It's the, to me, that like we have baked in these kind of racist allegories between these fictional species and real world racist precepts. Yes. That we then bring forward every time we play. Right, yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess that was uh, in a way sort of my point that like while there are problematic things built into a lot of fantasy systems and a lot of the way we think about it, a lot of the racist is what we're bringing to the table Mm. and, like, the system just sort of allow the racist concepts just to filter right in. Like, it'd be interesting to... And I've tried to approach it. Like, I don't play a lot of D&D. I've mostly played... I mean, honestly, I've mostly played games here, so it's been a lot of Powered by the Apocalypse, which is a lot more sort of open. Oh, yeah, so much more open. Yeah. But it's interesting approaching D anD D, and as I'm, I'm playing it now, trying to approach it from the place of race as a social construct. These are different species, so even within species, there can and should be racial sort of differences. There's also yeah. class to mess around with, mm-hmm. like to oh, try to class. approach Whoa. that yeah. that system with a more open mind and see if it still functions. Well, there's yeah, also yeah. there's also aspects of sexism in it, too, oh. because dwarves are considered what? to be towards the masculine scale, and elves are considered to be towards the feminine scale. I remember when I was playing in my in my mid-teens, and I wanted to play an elf character, there was some like, eh, you know, that's gay. I'm like, uh, no, it's just an elf. He's a badass, dude. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think a lot of what goes, like, all of this, yeah, all, like, super cogent points. I just want to jump really quickly back to, like, ideas on race as a social construct. Like, I totally agree, but with the caveat that, like, I don't know, you said you haven't read a lot of books on race. I'm going to recommend Between the World and Me. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of understanding... Uh, there's an interesting term he uses, which is people who must think of themselves as white. And, like, I think it, like, it was just, like, a random recommendation before I forgot, because I wrote a little note, and I know we're going to flip a page in a second, <laughs> that it's just an interesting meditation on, like, 
race and how that informs worldviews because yeah like the baggage that we're bringing into especially as people of color and i'm not trying to like shade D, but like because it is the clearest like successor of like tolkien is and like high let, and let's be real like D is the gateway drug of yeah no night yeah. like random number i'm pulling out of my ass 95 percent of role-playing like ro- people who play role playing games. Yeah, D and D and Pathfinder are definitely the center core of the role playing hobby, and, and usually and Pathfinder was an offshoot of D and D. So, so it's just a really interesting like like ground right now where a lot of battles on social justice theory and like traditionalist gaming mm-hmm. have kind of come to meet. Like, there's a there's a lot of like stuff about like people who play tiefling. Tieflings should like be fine with like don't try to like make your tiefling different or special like lean into the like racial bonuses and stuff like because they're like super traditionalist and like all tiefling have to deal with like the evil racism of the world and that's good and fine and there's a whole weird camp of people who justify it because it's just part of a game so the fact that like yeah yeah. but one thing like Sorry. No, you're good. I feel like I'm interrupting so much. I'm sorry about that. You're a Um, monster. You're fine. You're all good. Like, in terms of, like, when you want to break out of those kind of racial tropes and species tropes that were set up as, like, you know, guidelines and, and basic, like, broad... The thing about a player's handbook, and I feel like we a lot of times will approach a system and kind of that's your Bible... You treat it as a gospel, and you treat it as the end-all, be-all. However, this is a world that y'all are crafting. Mm -hmm. Like, you as a GM, or you as a player, and, like, y'all together make these worlds. And by thinking, like, making a conscious effort to break out of those constraints that are set up, like, each of these species, each of these races could have, like, a whole variety of culture. Yeah. Because a lot of times, like where we think about race in the real world is coming out of like a sense of culture mm-hmm. as well. Right. So it's not just black, white, brown right. in your various shades. Um, that that we've got like this whole breadth of culture in the world to draw from and I feel like we minimize that a lot in our role playing ba- games because you have to start somewhere and you have to get stuff that actually fits in like a book that is you know, publishable and people can afford to buy it. But instead of treating your player's guide as as a holy grail, treat it as like a... Um, a guideline. A guideline or like one of those, like a, a writer's prompt. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But I do think, I mean, to be... To come at this, and I'm sure this is going to come up later, uh, there's also the fact that, like, I would have to say the majority of gamers are white, and have grown up in a world where they have not had to consider race yes. mm-hmm. and not had oh, to yeah. think about all of those sort of implications. And there is there is, there is, is sort of a, a built-in, in the sort of built-in old ways of thinking about race that are part of a lot of game systems, particularly D&D, but other ones as well. There's going to be sort of a natural, like, if you're sitting at a table of all white people, you're going to sort of approach it in the same way and yeah. approach your concepts of race in the same way that... Is, is like a thing you have to work against, a thing you have to like as a player or as a DM design your game, like be conscious of. Yeah. You know? It's definitely like it's about mindfulness. Right. At yeah. the in the end. I think also it's about depth. Uh, mm-hmm. because when you create a very shallow reflection of something, there that that's when it becomes problematic. When mm-hmm. I just see you as a black person or I just see you as a white person. That's where that's where we start getting into issues because I'm going to start presupposing things about. 
Now, when you give uh, some cultural depth to these races, let's give Dragonlance, for example. There are hill dwarves, gully dwarves, mountain dwarves. There are a lot of different dwarves. And they're all very different culturally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you actually have a diversity within that one species within that they have races within themselves, and they become a richer, deeper sort of thing for you to explore as a player and as a GM. So when you give those things depth, when you actually start exploring your world and building it with detail and with some kind of consciousness that that that, that you want things to be reflected and you want things t- and you want uh, your players to play in a, in a diverse playground with a lot of different types of people, I think that's one of the things where role-playing games can give you empathy. And it mm-hmm. co- requires a higher level of imagination and a higher level of work on your part to create these things that are a little bit more three-dimensional and aren't just glossed over as one thing or another. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's what I w- try to do in my fantasy world is I always try to give that a little depth. Absolutely. Uh, I, 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 I have... I, I, I love Conan, so I always try to build worlds that have tons of different cultures, people that look radically different, uh, and you can choose to be a player from any one of those things. I mean, I, I've had... I'm, I'm the only GM I know of that's consistently had players play human characters of different colors mm. and races within my games. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I created a world where that was an option. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of and, and you look at a lot of uh, a lot of these games and a lot of these modules that the closest thing you come to that is like a drow off and an elf. <laughs> uh, there, there's not a lot of variance. There's not a lot of variance between all of these. We have other letters to get to. <laughs> yes. All right. So no, no, not for you. Yeah. I meant for the drow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, it's it's it, when you start treating things like uh, like things actually function in a real world instead of creating a fantasy that tries to limit things to tropes mm-hmm. and certain things that are only familiar to the people at the table. There's less to explore and there's less for you to become connected to in a game. And I think that that's also a life ses- lesson. The more you learn about everything around you and the people around you, the better off you're going to be because you're going to build empathy and empathy mm-hmm. is the core of getting along with people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And uh, one sen- sentence like solve for your problem problem is untether race from your stat bonuses. Yep. Just don't let that be the thing. Yep. Like tie them more deeply to background and class choices like oh yeah absolutely if you have well, a smart background and then your class makes you smarter because like the longer you do any job the better you get at doing it so right. just don't make it a race thing right. cool or untether race from species yes to f- even further expand your sort of sense that your race can be dragonborn yeah but or your species can be dragonborn but your race can be any number of things or even within elf your race can be yeah. so many things and like really consciously like there should of course be Elves of color. Yeah. yeah. Like, why would there not be? Are there no elves that developed near the equator where there's lots of sun? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, just sort of. I like mean, it's just a thing. It's like, just exactly. like expand, exactly. expand your world. You yeah. have the power. Yes. It's, it, in, the, in, in the very final analysis, your game is a reflection of more of you than the material that you yeah. use to play with. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Good, I think we handled that one pretty well. Hey! Yay! All right. <laughs> Damn straight we did. We have another email. Who would like to read it? Uh, I'll go ahead and read it. Uh, portraying PCs of color, Fredericks. Hi, JOCs, Jackers of Color. I wanted to go with jocks. 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 And then jocks. get shirts that are jock jam. Jock. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking I- about. <laughs> <Doing> it. <laughs> Let me tell you a story. A year ago or so, I had an opportunity to play a great character in Vampire the Masquerade 25th Anniversary Edition. 
he was a, a human rights attorney with a street gang childhood who, as a vampire, had uh, had a herd. I love the irony of drinking from his herd while trying to defend human rights. That is actually great. Uh, he was black, and in one scene there, where someone from his street, quote-unquote, uh, passed catches catches up with him. I tried speaking in a different style, not accent. I generally don't do accents uh, because I'm crap at accents. Think uh, Stringer Bell in The Wire. Immediately, I felt uncomfortable. Uh, a... A, it was like I was putting on the RPG equivalent of blackface. You were, a little yes. bit. Let's keep going. <laughs> and it <laughs> felt wrong. Good on you that at Good least you had the easy Good job. Good job. Good job. Good job. Yeah. That was half the yeah. battle. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> like, it's kind of more than half the battle. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of the battle. <laughs> no, the battle is, no, nah, it's fine. Um, oh, no. <laughs> now, this isn't just about race, but class two. No, I hadn't been worried about playing the lawyer slash vampire side of his life. It only, appa- it only happened when when I, he put on his street act. So afterwards I talked uh, with the for context all white mixed gender sexuality group about my discomfort and said that that next time. I'd I'd try playing in the social constructs I knew and was part of as a Londoner. I could do South London gangster more comfortably than Milwaukee gangster as I was more comfortable, but now I felt I was... denying the character's blackness. Uh, As it turned out, life changes meant I had to let the game go, but I must say it was with no small sense of uh, of relief at no longer having to tackle playing that character. Uh, Since then, I have read Chris Spivey's excellent advice in Harlem Unbound, but I would be keen to hear what the teams take on and advice for white folk playing characters of color. Uh, Fredericks on the forums. Thank you. Thank you. What a good one. Uh... Question for point of clarity. Yes. Uh, I don't know how Vampire the Masquerade works. Are there preset characters that you are assigned? No. No. So he created this character? Yes. Yes. Okay. yes. Full cloth, including like okay. background and stuff. Yeah, I got you, fam. <laughs> yeah. You start, I got you. I was yeah. like, I'm not I'm saying like, you guys are going to sit no, out on this. But like, but like, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Just give us a second. Like, well, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I, I, Frederick, thank you for the question. Yeah, thank for you sure. for the intention. And there are a lot of things you say right here, but one, I am going to ding you on the passive voice. Yep. You did. You created this character. You created a black character. Um, and I think, yeah, when you're cre- if you're going to create a character of color, you have to have thought about this stuff first. Yes, absolutely. Uh... And I would definitely not recommend... One, I'd not recommend using an accent. Yeah. Ever. Rule one. That's <laughs> sort of rule one. And two, it's interesting you point out South, South, a South London gangster and feeling like that takes away from his blackness. Uh, but you also reference Stringer Bell, who is super, super, super British in yeah. real life. And so there are British and British-speaking people of color. So, quick fun fact: I yep. just read today, London is forty percent people of color. Yeah. So, thank you, Great British Empire. Yeah. 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 So, it's like, good. Good. it's entirely possible that you could be a South London gangster and speak like a South London person, and also be black. Yes. Two things, not mutually exclusive. Yes. It's also perfectly fine to be black and speak Spanish because yes. there's yeah, uh, so many, so many, so <laughs> many. Uh, it's also, I mean. I'm just going to throw this out there because I can't not. I'm sorry if I'm stealing anyone's thunder. You can be a black person without, like, a street background. What? 
So that's the big thing I want to <laughs> like touch on. So if like I think the most important thing here is to examine why you wanted to play a black person to start with. So if you had an idea of someone with a street background like making good and then becoming like a lawyer and human rights activist, was the choice to be black informed by the street background or vice versa? Because then like what is actually happening with your character creation is you are putting like you are using the shorthand of black to explain street and now you've tied those two like stereotypes together yeah. in a really uncomfortable way and that's like a thing you you clocked because you could absolutely be a south london gangster and black and maybe if you never ever mention what the character looks like that character's just black and no one noticed and like that's kind of the goal yeah is that like yep. you don't have to draw attention like the blackness is not a like a point for you to like ding off on the list of things to do because there's a higher likelihood of you like hitting a bunch of tropes on your way to creating a black character. Right. And I appreciate, like, I'm always of two minds about this thing, because mm. there's definitely a knee-jerk part of me that says, just don't do that. Just don't create a character of another color, but it really limits it. I appreciate the effort to be like, yes. I want to diversify my game, I don't want everyone in my game to be Lily White, yeah. I want to bring some color, but it is really, if you're going to do that, thinking about ways that you can you you yourself can fulfill that part yeah and yeah. do that role and one thing like when i was reading this letter um what just it sounded like to me from the uh from the letter and some of the spellings might have been that like okay so fredericks is a londoner and that's why you were more care and like your game was set in milwaukee <laughs> or, yes. you know, like, or your game was set somewhere in the States. Uh, maybe you're in the States now and you grew up in London or whatever that is. Like, I'm projecting a lot of backstory onto you right now. <laughs> um, but that, like, making sure that you do some homework when you're creating these characters that, like, um, it's the same kind of homework that you would do with any other character that you would do, but like making sure that the choices that you make are informed by like real character decisions mm -hmm. and um, and some respect and like understanding of like people of color as human beings, yeah, <laughs> rather than just stereotypes. Because like we all see these things, like and we pull characters, like we pull characters to role play all the time that are like you know fan cast from from the world around yeah, us totally. and like mm -hmm. from cinematic universes and stuff and like that's all well and good like we're like man I really want to play like Arya in yeah. this particular game but like what we need to I think be cognizant of when we do that kind of thing where we like kind of pull an archetype or pull a trope from um, or a character from the media that we see around us is that so often for people of color we are reduced to stereotypes in the media yes. like mm -hmm. whether that's the you know, you're uh, smart Asian, you're, you know, also subservient and, and quiet Asian, you're, you know, gangster black person, you're, sh you know, like... Drug dealer. You're drug dealer, yeah. you're, you're drug dealer made good. Yeah. Right. Like, you're, like, I've, I've raised myself, um, you know, person of color who's, like, you know, risen above their station, those kinds of things, like, you need to really look and examine the tropes that you're using. Well, when Hispanics get a plus two to drug dealing, what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like, it's it's really kind of horrific. But, but I'm not saying that that's what you necessarily did here, but just that um, if you want to play a person of color, and, and that's actually something that I don't 
I feel strongly that people should do mm-hmm. is play races outside their own. Yeah. But um, but just when you're making these characters, make sure that you've stepped outside of the tropes that have been imposed upon us. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think that there's a difference between playing a character of color versus playing a character that happens to be of a different race. Mm. Now, I I mean, really, if I would have I, I if. How do I put this without being a dick? Um, go be a dick. Go be, be a, a dick. dick. No, it's if I've only ever played one uh, black character in, in in my life as a role player, and I've played hundreds of characters. Uh, and he was from North Africa, and he was an assassin, international assassin guy, and he was mostly was he from Morocco. He was from Morocco. Ah, hey. it. Uh, really bad. At no, no, he's from Algiers. Um, but you could have lied well, to me. You could have just let the lie go. <laughs> so, so was he black or North African? He was North African. And I do understand That's that there's a difference between yep. being yeah. black and North African. But uh, I literally played him. There were no decisions or anything that I did or, or, or role play decisions or characterization decisions that I made because of his race. I just played him as a guy that had the background that I developed yeah. for him and happened to have a physique that was North African black. Yeah. Uh, so I I literally played somebody that was of color, but I didn't really do anything. I didn't want attack any tropes. I literally played him as if he were any other color that I would have picked. If he was from Spain and Spanish, I would have played him exactly the same way. Yeah. There were there there was no times where I go, oh, and he does this thing that's kind of like this thing I saw in this music video. Never did that. Uh, but uh, Never do that. Good. Never, do, never that. do that. that. Just never do that. But the thing was is that I, I played a person that was uh, had dark skin versus playing a black person as mm-hmm. a caricature. Yeah. You know, uh, and that, it, that, that one goes into the basis of when you think of people as just people and don't try to draw on your free... Co- predisposition towards whatever thing you have that's okay but when you start playing around with what you think these tropes are and when you start experimenting with that that's when you're actually trying to be insulting because you don't know what these people have been through and you don't know what it's like to to be different consistently all mm-hmm. the time I'm just uh, going to go back and say that is definitely <laughs> what I said earlier just for the record. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it's the idea it's of you can absolutely just play a character that happens to be of a race. Right. Yeah. And it may come up as a thing that is noticed or remarked upon. Uh, side note, if you're ever going to... We've talked about this. Oh, yeah. If you ever describe someone's skin tone, please avoid food comparisons. Yes. It's so weird. We don't... We're not chocolate. Oh. <laughs> anyway. My uh, skin is not the color of chai. No. <laughs> it's definitely not the color of chai tea. <laughs> wow. Oh, God. No. Oh, I never even heard so, that. <laughs> chai tea is not a thing. <laughs> Don't say tea tea. <laughs> I mean, say tea tea because it sounds funny. Yeah. But, like, don't say chai tea. It's like people oh, say next ATM time I, machine. You're like, oh, automatic telling machine. machine. Nope. Next yeah. time I go to Starbucks, I'm like, hey, nice oh, yeah. tea teas. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's one way to go about playing a person of color. Second way is if you really are convinced that there is something about, like, a race that you want to explore as a character. That's good. And, like, that's the thing that we want you to do carefully and thoughtfully. So, like, please do your research. Please don't let that research be, like, a couple of episodes of The Wire. 
no matter how good it is. <laughs> yeah. Like, or even all of the wire. No. Yeah. 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 Like, understand that once again, like, entertainment's going to have an inherent bias. Look right. for things made by those groups of people. Look, yeah. Own voices. Own voices is huge. Right. Exactly. Yes. It's it's the difference between self conception and how media chooses to portray a given group. Right. But do it with that understanding, and I think you'll be really good at avoiding some of the things that, like, you you cl- you clocked for yourself. So yeah. we're not here to like drag you for that. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. I'm, I'm like, thank you so much for putting this in because, like, I think a lot of people, um, and I've encountered this a little bit on the forums before, that people get so paralyzed by the fear of doing something wrong, they like won't try. Yeah, and like, we all fuck up. Yeah. I fuck up. My yeah. panelists don't fuck up. They're perfect. But, like, I fuck up. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's... Not um, but, like, it's... It's human. Yeah, We're yeah. cool. We're all growing. We're on a journey. But, like, if you're too afraid to take that first step, then, like, we're stuck in the races. Right. But I, I think it also has to do with, A, be okay with taking criticism mm. especially yeah. if it's constructive oh, yes and also if you're a person of color be okay with somebody making some mistakes and talking to them about right. it I love you <laughs> I will say it is not it's for not your responsibility to constantly correct yes. it's not your responsibility yeah like at the I end agree. of the day my, my one warning for you as someone who is like a lot of white people's black friends yes. that it's never just one person asking oh, you God, no. it's yep. the sum of a hundred thousand microaggressions and questions that like you have no idea what my personal yep. headspace is at any point and like the emotional bandwidth involved in carefully navigating your feelings to explain something to you that you probably haven't heard before and don't want to feel bad about mm-hmm. it's a hard thing please don't ask your people of color and yes. like yeah, and yeah. also like I mean on the so, same in the same vein as that, like A I mean if you have somebody who like you trust and like have that kind of relationship with and you ask and you say, Hey, is it okay? Do you have the spoons right now yes. to to kind of like help me with this as I try to navigate this? And they say yes, great. Mm-hmm. If they say no, do not pester them about it. They do not have the they don't have the time, they don't have the energy. Right. And, and like never they ever shouldn't f- have to. Yeah. But like like then Google is your friend. Yes. Yeah. And like there are so many own voices books out right. there right now. But so like also yep. on, on like but if they do say something to you unasked for, listen. Yep. Just just and listen for a second and then breathe and try to tamp down on that automatic defense response. Yeah. And just kind of take it in what it's offered that it is a huge like emotional investment of bandwidth and all of these people of color like we all have to navigate how we speak mm-hmm. and be ever conscious of white feelings when we when we walk the world so that if if your friend has come to you and said hey what you did here is hurtful Maybe it hurt me personally, or maybe I just feel like it's it's really not okay, or like you're really walking a fine line here. Maybe pull it back some. Take that in the spirit that it's offered. That yeah. like this is a thing of love that somebody has told you, yeah. because they have have really like gone out on a limb. So be be open to that. Yeah, yeah. and also I feel like I just talked the whole time. Never. When you're when you're when you're discussing this subject with someone of color, and this has happened to me a lot, I'm not here to give you permission. Never phrase it in a way that you want permission yes. for something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
always try to phrase it in a way of like, I don't know what to think about this because right. I have no perspective. Can you help me? Yeah. Um, because that's one of the trigger things for me is like, I, I have, most of my friends are white and they ask me blah 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 and I'm like look I'm not going to give you permission to be racist dude and it's like I didn't right. mean it that way I know you didn't doc but you need to quill that shit right now <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah we're not here to give you permission to be racist and we're never going to no. give it to you it's not okay yeah. even if we say it's, it's not. okay it's it is not, not okay. okay we're probably just trying to get out of the conversation because yeah. you made exactly. it uncomfortable yeah. uh, and we're maybe afraid for our safety yeah, yeah. Fun fact, if you are given feedback from a person of color or some like population distinct to your own, and your initial instinct after hearing the feedback is to justify and like make it seem like you go, like if your reaction is, uh-oh, I've done an oopsie and I have to make it okay right now verbally, swallow it. Simply yeah. say, okay, that's something to think about and move along. Because what you're going to be asking for next is to be made to feel okay about this thing. Mm-hmm. And like 99% of the time, it's just like if you just go off and think about it and process it, you'll have something more interesting to add later. But nothing in that moment is going to happen anything other than you trying to like deal with like the social awkwardness there. And all of that becomes bandwidth being asked of the person of color. Or like, like or the feel better oh, and safe again. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. They'll like, you know, oh, please forgive me, please forgive me. Yeah. Don't you do know, that. Yeah. Don't do that. And because the only way to really fix that is to alter your behavior. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And verbal forgiveness is pointless. Cool. Like, you can literally just be like, oh, noted. Move along with your day. Like, you're cool. That's not the first time that person's been asked that. It's not the last. And if they're willing to talk to you about it, like, you're, you're cool. So you're good. Yeah. So just assume you're still good. And move on. But thank you. I think this is a really yeah, good question. That's very this was this was really fantastic. Yeah. Thank you very Sweet. much. All right. All right. I guess I'll read the last one. Yeah. Um, gaming group and a lack of diversity from Eric in New Jersey. What up, Jers? Mm. Yo. Hello, Abria, and the rest of the <laughs> happy. Sorry, I got a call out. I know you are doing an episode about people of color in gaming, and I am writing you because I am terrified. I am some sort of passive racist piece of shit. (laughs) When Kimmy announced this episode on version 27 of the forums, I was excited because I have fond memories of gaming with people of color back in my youth until we started moving away. I also game with a variety of people from the LBGTQ community in my LARP, and I thought I was doing good. Part of the reason I love Happy Jacks is the representation across many spectrums. That's us. That's us. Then I realized... There's four of us today. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone I game with is white. This in some ways horrifies me because I never thought about this before, though when I probably should have noticed. Just like it has been recently pointed out that uh, that my NPC representation lacks variety. I don't know what to do. I can't make another group because my wife will kill me in my sleep if I do that. Yeah. I don't have room in my current two groups. Do I make room and run heavy? Do I just wait to see if a group dissolves and when I make a new group, group be more conscious of it? I am lost and afraid, Jackers. Please help. May the dice ever roll in your favor, Eric from New Jersey, Eric from NJ, on the forum. Cool. I'm just going to say, Eric, my dude, who said my name, so we're best friends now. <laughs> uh, unless you're secretly burning crosses on people's lawns, I don't think you're racist. Yeah, so you're good. Just let's allay that fear and then cover yes. positive steps. 
who's got something. Well, I, it sounds like the second, the the sort of second option here, the one is, that doesn't get you shaked by your yes, sleep. We're not. We don't want you to ruin your your wife or, or your, your life or your sheets or whatever. Is we don't want to bad. force your wife to ruin your sheets yes. and then ruin her life. Yeah. So yes, the next time you form a group, be conscious of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, do the work. Reach out to people. Use the forums, I suppose, as yeah. well, or other groups, Facebook groups, or whatever. To, if you, if you don't know anyone, sort of naturally, to find someone, or even, and it's a little crazy, just asking someone that you think is cool, who is a person of color, if they might want to join your thing. Yes. And if they say, "I don't do that," say, "Maybe you could try and have fun." Yeah. And then try to make it fun for them. Yeah. Whatever you do, don't approach them and say, "Hey, I don't, I don't have any. All I got is white people." <laughs> And, I'm not and gonna I'm lie. If I got that, I would die. I'd be like, I'm here for you. I'm, yeah. I got <laughs> well, I mean, like, 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 if you don't have any in your immediate friend circle, and that happens a lot, it happens a lot more than people think. Mm-hmm. I actually recently met a girl who did not meet a person who was not white until she was 20. Wow. And moved out of her hometown. Wow. In the United States. Yeah. So, oh boy. it happens. Yeah, it's sure. not this a big century? deal. Like, I just Eric met clearly her. lives in that town. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> Um, I think we should talk about the history of Oregon, but why? Like, we don't have today. Oh, no, no, no. Not that's today. A whole other, that's a whole um, other series. It's like a drow episode. <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah. Get there later. Um, but but I'm just saying, like, go to your local gaming shops. Um, conventions. Like if, you, if, yeah. conve- if you have yes. any conventions, um, obviously you're in New Jersey, but like people who might be in like more smaller, um, yep. more smaller. Wow. Um, okay. Towns and things like that. Like where I grew up, there was one. We had one shop. But the upshot of that was literally everyone had to go there. Yep. Yeah. So if you put up a post, like, do they have a bulletin board or something like that that you can post up that you're looking for people? Do not say you're looking for people of color once again. But, like, just say you're looking for, like, you know, um, new people to fill in, like, a new group. Like, yeah. um, that kind of stuff. Or just, like go hang out and like kind of open your eyes to see like new people who yeah. are around and like make some friends yeah. diversify yes. your friend circle I was just going to say that I was going to say like yeah take a look to diversify your friend circle to look for gamers of color at your shop yeah. and just you know ask them to ask them to just be your friend and hang out and talk about gaming so that when, when the next time you're forming a group it becomes obvious like oh I should ask Brian because he's cool and we haven't played together yet exactly you know? and then there are there's online gaming uh, there are also online uh, tabletop RPG conventions. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, kind of like, you know, the Happy Jacks. Like the Happy Jacks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. RPG convention that's coming up. Jackercon. Yeah. Jackercon. Jacker yeah. May 22nd through 29th. May 22nd through 29th. <laughs> it's a thing we all just knew. <laughs> that yeah. was just boom. <laughs> Completely unprompted. That was pretty wicked cool. Um, Happyjacks.org slash forum. We're definitely not getting fed the whole of this. I, I, Amy's I, here. <laughs> I think one of the things we're glossing over here is um, gaming shouldn't be your impetus to diversify your group of friends. Yeah, you should mm-hmm. just do that. Just oh. go out and meet fun people. June twenty second through 
June 22nd June to, 20, to 29th. That's all right. Who said May? No, no one. No one, no one said no that. No one said that. Nope. <laughs> um, um, but you're definitely making a super... Sorry, I'm no. jumping really quick. Uh, you're making a super cogent point. Like, yeah, I mean, if we're being super honest, I will say that, like, there are not very many people of color in this community. We exist! Because there's four of us, and that's not all of us. Four. That's not all of us, of us in Happy Town. <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding. But, yeah, it is harder to find... There's also, like, a lot of other, like, societal things that make us want to seek out games with each other because they're safer spaces. So, like, yeah. there's a whole lot of reasons. Like, it's not... I'm not trying to make you feel better and make you not feel like a bad... Like, just so you know, like, it's a process. And start off by, like... I, I really like the idea of introducing new people to the hobby. Yeah, yeah that's great. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you have a friend that's a person of color that's like, what the what is Dungeons and Dragons? That is some nerd shit. And you're like, yeah, it is. Check this Boring out. Up. Yeah. Because every at the end of the day, everyone likes. Or like, who doesn't like, want to do a monster themselves. of the week? Like, yeah. who's your like? Who's your dodo's like? Hey, did you check out last week's episode of Grim? I know Grim's not on the air anymore, but like, what? Grim? Like, you went to Why Grim? Is that your <laughs> Not even Game of Thrones? Yeah. Grim? <laughs> you can because have Monster of the Week. It was a Monster of the Week reference. Um, Game of Thrones is not Monster of the Week, but I'm just saying. I'm not judging. <laughs> like, Buffy. I'm not going to Buffy anymore. Like, if I, if I could get, like, another non-emotionally stunted, incredibly, like, toxic relationship Whoa. heroine, like, if I could just get out of that bubble forever mm. i'd be really happy so i don't go to buffy anymore as All much right. as i loved buffy in the 90s like it's 20 motherfucking 19 and we deserve better never watched buffy whoa so. All right, wow that's a lot of feelings that was i feel a lot. like i should get my drow rant now yep. <laughs> <laughs> i won't uh, before we move on yeah. i just want to i just want to okay. say one other thing that we sort of like skipped over in your yeah. letter that i want to commend you for and say continue to do more of Diversify your game in NPCs. Yes. yes. Diversify your game in your characters. If you don't have people of color at your table, that's fine. Just make sure they exist in a world with people of color, and that like it comes up and it's a part of the storytelling, and you're dealing with it because that will also make it way more comfortable for the person of color who eventually joins your table, or when you have a game with a person of color in it. We spent thousands of years making shitty things normalized. Let's try to normalize some of the cool stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and you've already made those first steps. Like you you're are already thinking, like, and you're already thinking about your NPCs, and like you're in a yep. group with, uh, with like an LGBTQ plus, like open, diverse group that way. Then it's just a matter of like it's just it's just like learning to open your eyes a little bit more in a different way. So like that's awesome. It's you're taking those first steps. So don't feel like you're some passive racist piece of, piece of shit. You're not. People tend to have certain social groups that they gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. It happens. Yep. And one last thing: doing racial Pokemon in your game because you got to catch them all is also racist. <laughs> huh? Just saying. But it's like uh, I have I Asian. Know. I have a black. Oh yeah, no. Tokenism. Not that you probably like, since you're the homie and have been around a lot of these conversations, you probably don't need tips. But for anyone that's listening that like hasn't gotten any good tips on like diversifying your NPCs. A recommendation I gave a friend recently was go to like, I don't know if you care about Pinterest but like, create a list of all of your favorite actors. Wheedle them down to people of color. Now like, fan cast those people as your NPCs. So now when you're describing you're describing people that you have like a very strong sense of in your own brain. Yes. And 
Let me chime in. And you don't really have to tell everyone that all of your um, male NPCs are fan casters at Dracelba. But, like, it <laughs> yeah. doesn't hurt. But you're going to make a lot of people happy if you do. Thank you. <laughs> I haven't gotten a bad response <laughs> yeah. to that yet. Yeah. But I do also want to say, when you do that exercise, if you write down your list of your favorite actors, and it's all white people... Yeah. Mm. Take note of that, and yes. maybe also expand the media you pers- you consume, yep. and like look up you know Tessa Thompson because she's also quite she's cool. Oh my god! And also, so, I mean, if you they know. all look like Idris Elba and Tessa Thompson again, no one will be unhappy. Thank you. Literally, no one. I will also add Louis Tan. Mm. Michael B. Mm. Jordan. No. Okay, we can do this forever yeah. about cute people. Of oh, color. John Cho, Dream yeah. Daddy. Oh. Mm. He is my Arjun Gupta. You know Oscar Isaacs? Yeah. Small about fuck him up. Sorry, what? I'm pouring on Maine and should not be moderating this. So also, describe your white NPCs as white and see how that feels. Because if you notice you're doing it a bunch, that's also like a motivator and a driver change. Don't normalize white NPCs. Just if you describe everyone and you realize you're saying the same thing a lot, your brain will naturally want to like change that shit up. And like Actually, this brings up a really like interesting thing that I noticed when I was reading the last um, Peter Grant book. Like, this is on novels, so not necessarily, but but his um, the main character of the Peter Grant uh, novels by Ben Aronowicz is um, half black. Uh, I think it's Sierra Leone, but like, don't quote me on that. I'm terrible with names. Um, but he. Uh, and a lot, a thing I noticed, like specifically in the last book, and I kind of like flipped through some of the older ones, is like he only describes the race of white people, mm. and it was like interesting and telling, and and a little like it like shifted my balance of thought, yeah, in a very interesting, subtle way, yeah. That like, I mean, yes, he talks about like his family and stuff like that, like the main character's family and other, and it's in it where it's obvious that other people are people of color. But he doesn't describe their race. He only says when people are white. Yeah. It's an interesting idea of, like, othering a culture that has been normalized to see themselves constantly. Yes. Uh, Also, if you are curious about how to accurately describe people of color in games in ways that aren't, like, definitely filtered through a white lens, uh, look up good fiction written by people of color. If we're doing recs, I want to also recommend uh, N.K. Jemisin's Broken Earth Trilogy. Yeah, it's really good, and there's a really fun diversity of, like, physical descriptions, so you know that, like, just about everyone in the game (laughs) in the book is a person of color, but they're described in interesting ways that aren't, like, the same, like, russet-toned or dusky. Dusky. I hate Dusky wow. so much. <laughs> Raven. Ooh. Raven has become my <laughs> one of my least favorite things. But there's so many like go out and like especially in the world of science fiction and fantasy, there are so many, and I'm not gonna get started because Lord knows I won't stop. Yeah. There's so many great, great, great authors of color. Um mm-hmm. I actually have like a whole Twitter thread that I'm going to resurrect and add to now. Do it. Um, about authors of color, like series that I really, really enjoyed. Um, and just uh, underrepresented in general. Like, uh, so see, seek out, like, in your media. Like Jay said. Yep. Yeah, TV shows like Cloak and Dagger. Oh, oh that's yeah. That's so good. Bazinga. So fucking good. I know a guy who writes on that. Oh, man. <laughs> really? That book's amazing. Can't tell if it's like part of the bit or not. <laughs> Sorry. Cool. 
Anyone, anything else to add? No. No? Okay. Do we have time for our... I think we should have time for our good scenario, right? All right. Can I read that one, y'all? Yes. Of course. Sweet. Uh, Good scenario for first-time players from Bobcat. Greetings and facilities. All right, I quit. I messed up one <laughs> word and I'm done here. Jim, you finish. Greetings, <laughs> greetings and felicitations from the Great White North. A. Oh. <laughs> Given your current opinions on gaming, what would you consider to be a good scenario of first-time GM to run? Would you incorporate it? Would you incorporate Watsi's three pillars of role-playing games: exploration, interaction, and combat? Do you consider these aspects to be necessary, or do you disagree with the with the terms? Would you recommend any commercially available adventures for, the for for a first timer? If not, how would you guide the beginning GM in preparing their own first adventure right up, uh, right up to make the effort go as smoothly as possible? Cheers and beers, Bobcat. Cool. I'm going to jump in because I actually wanted to answer the question first, which is why I passed off reading it. Damn. <laughs> One quick note: Watsi, Wizards of the Coast, the people that make Dungeons and Dragons. Just for people who don't know, because right. you said that, and my brain went, "What is what?" I did not know what it was, and I was Sorry. confused. No, you're good. That's a total industry term, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. He's deep, he's deep <laughs> in the cut, y'all. <laughs> so, um, I'm going to sidestep recommendations in this regard and say, if you want to build something yourself, the thing I like to do is ask a would-be game runner to think of their three pieces of fiction that they like the most, try to make one of them the most obscure thing you know, and build a scenario off of that. Because like the tri- like triangulation off of three types of tropes means you're not like going in going oh we're playing Harry Potter or we're just playing Harry Potter you might also be like hitting these notes and beats that like some people at your table haven't seen and you can totally pass off as your own invention <laughs> yeah so yeah I like the three I like the three pillars you can like but they shouldn't be in equal measure they should be what you what your priorities are first and then what your players' priorities are second because you're only going to be as interested in the game as, like, the things that you're passionate about. It's my favorite Patrick Rothfuss thing is, like, writers write what they like about. So, like, Tolkien loved languages so much. So many languages. Yeah. And songs. Yeah, exactly. Lots and lots of songs. songs. (laughs) There's nothing Uh, wrong with that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But that was what he was interested in. (laughs) That was what he was interested in, so he wrote a bunch about it. Patrick Rothfuss, like, currency? So if you read, uh, is it, Kingkiller, it's like a lot of coin stuff. So (laughs) care about the thing you care about and trust that your enthusiasm will, like, float your players through some of that, but then also include the other pillars. Food porn. Yeah. As we were talking about earlier with the fire, Songs of Fire and Ice. Songs of Fire and Ice is all, I was going to say, that is all about the food. And what people wear. Yeah. I'm into that. So much cloth of gold. I was like, Mm. somebody was like, oh, these these multi-page descriptions of penguins, and I was like, yes, tell me more. Yeah, I read them in my bathtub. Rashers of bacon. (laughs) Oh my god. Black bread burnt. Oh, now I'm hungry. Right? Sorry. (laughs) Anyone? There's a lot going into this, and since you mentioned Wizards of the Coast and Three Pillars of Role-Playing Games, I'm assuming that you're playing Dungeons and Dragons. You um, said with shade. No, I'm, I'm, little, assume, I'm just making... There was a little, but... Uh, <laughs> that because I stand, d and we'll fight about this. <laughs> what I want to say is that you you use the word scenario, which means to me that you're that, that it's, it's, it's an encounter, uh, which is that what a scenario means to me. It's, it's an, a single encounter, not an overarching story. Uh, because there are two jobs for a GM in, in Dungeons and Dragons. There's a, a balance of gameplay for an actual scenario or a conflict, where your monsters have to be tough enough to be challenging, but not so bad they're going to 
kill you. And there's a, there's math and stuff that goes into that. There's a different level of preparedness you have as GM for that. Uh, and then there's also cr- the creation of the story and the and the uh, the adventure that the party is going to go through. Um, there are there there are a lot of great introductory introductory. Uh, Scenarios, which are combat scenarios, that come in. Uh, and if you want to look at those, talk to anybody that runs the Wednesdays, uh, the Wednesday Adventures League games, because yeah. uh, th- there are people that I literally do nothing but write balanced scenarios for certain levels of characters. Uh, and then there's also the the factor of <laughs> you, if you have somebody that's like it's a party of three wizards and a cleric, you're going to balance it differently for a party of two rogues, a warrior, and a paladin. Um, because the game is technical and requires that kind of preparation. Uh, now, if you're talking about building, a, coming up with an introductory story arc, I highly recommend that you sit down with your table and you sort of create a world for yourselves uh, instead of using something out of the box, especially if you're introducing people to a game. Uh, there's a certain person I know that's actually developing a product that uses tarot cards to... Uh, to create sort of like a, a session zero for your it's world. It's Kimmy. I'm sorry. But <laughs> <laughs> it's Kojakama. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's, it's a so lot of fun. fun. And you can use games like Microscope for that too. There's a lot of different things that you can use for that only kind of world. Dacoma. Dacoma is the only one. <laughs> there could so be sorry. only one and it is Dacoma. There you go. It is, it is, it is the <laughs> highest of high and the holiest of holies. Um, <laughs> uh, but At goldenlassogames.com sign up for the newsletter. <laughs> Indeed. I'm interested, um, but I, the, when, when you're when you're introducing people to to these type of games, it's very easy. It, you, I mean, you can always just pull out Temple of Elemental Evil. It's supposed to be level one to whatever, and you can do it from the beginning to the end. Uh, but I think and that you get like a really great throwback vibe. Yeah, because yeah. it's the Temple of Elemental Evil. I mean, come come on, you can go in. You can go into uh, a bunch of the other ones with the fire giants and the drow and all that cool stuff. But it's all yeah. part of the series. But in any case, uh, <laughs> uh, the, you can just get something off the shelf. But I find when you're introducing people to role playing, especially if you have a little bit more experience than they do, it's such a great idea to get them fully vested in your game world and get them creating things at the, from the, from the get-go because uh, there's a tendency in when you're running modules for a certain amount of passivity from your player characters where they'll just want to get fed information and then just give feedback when they're fed information mm-hmm. when you have a when you have something yeah, that's I do real, that player <laughs> yeah. yeah I do that <laughs> uh, exactly but versus when you start getting people involved in creating the world and creating and and their characters then that then you get much more of a yes and vibe at your table and people mm-hmm. wanting to be actively creative at yeah. it uh, so I highly recommend that if you're doing and a like, session zero. I think in terms of, um, I don't have any experience jamming, so this is all from a player's perspective. That the like the most important thing for me, like when I was a new player, even now when I come into new systems, is like that buy-in that you have around the table. Like more than any specific scenario or anything like that, like. Things that are easier for first-time players, um, D&D 5e has actually made it very, very beginner-friendly. Yeah, it's super good. Um, totally. And that's it great, fantastic. but like, I'll stand PBTA like, yep. all day, every day. There are so many systems. Um, Monster Hearts is a great one. I think they do like a Monster of the Week kind of kind of deal in there. Well, there's Monster book. of the Week. There's a game and, called okay, Monster so of the Week. So there's Monster yeah. of the Week, and yeah. I'm just getting things confused, but whatever. Now you're good. Um, you said it perfectly. Yeah. Nothing yeah. is wrong. Yeah. Nothing, was wrong. About. Nothing is wrong. I never make mistakes. Um, so, but, but yeah, stuff like that, which, where you have like little, um, 
scenarios and, and little like mini one-off sessions that are built in to kind of get wet your player's appetite. And the other thing that that can do is is open up their minds to playing in a system. And so you do if you do like a one-off or a two-session game rather than attempting to construct an arc from start to finish on your first try, um, you can get a feel for your players, they can get a feel for you, and you can figure out what kind of stuff works and what doesn't work for y'all mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. you as you move through that in, in kind of a lower stakes environment. Um, and then when you move into, like, you kind of figure out the things that your players are interested in and what you're interested in as you move through that, like, smaller um, smaller world... And then that translates into a bigger world. And hey, you could even tie in what happened in that one shot like to the larger world. Mm-hmm. And who doesn't love a callback? Totally. Exactly. Nice. Uh, similarly, I don't have a lot of experience as a GM. I'll say as a player, what I like are having options. Yeah. Having you go this way or you go this way. And like really letting us sort of fumble around and figure things out, and also even like be prepared for the third option. Yes. <laughs> for you know those weird, willful gamers who are just going to be like, we don't go either of those ways. What's over that hill over there? <laughs> yeah. That never happens. No. Yeah. It definitely so, does not happen every game. Every exactly. Time. But God, you know what? Somebody should do that would be so much fun and also lead to all the death is if somebody adapts kind of a choose your own adventure game mm-hmm. to to a role playing arc cuz how much fun would that be where like you're just like you don't know necessarily but like if you pull up a really old choose your own adventure book and like kind of use that as a template for making your first game That's everybody'll be dead really fast <laughs> yeah. so you don't have to worry about like making several sessions well, I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> the only time I've ever read a choose your own adventure I read from the I back to I, the front I saw on my previous I choice just, so I've never I not. just always <laughs> make the right choice every time <laughs> exactly I've never I always No I never the pulled the floppy die. disk out of my Commodore 64 so it wouldn't save the fact that I died in wizardry yep. and then put it back in and started that level over again so no. never did that one I mean, if you, for lesser beings who make mistakes, yeah, indeed. <laughs> because because I definitely didn't find one of the three good endings and yep. then work my way backwards from there. Smart, yes. just memento. Yeah. yeah. I yes. haven't seen memento, yes. so I just use that wrong all the time. <laughs> no, it's actually really oh, appropriate oh, yeah. here. Sweet, but I really but, like that. Like all of those ideas. One thing I want to add to this is that when you start a game you're starting a conversation and the tenor of that conversation is set at the beginning of that. Mm-hmm. So what you have uh, your main responsibility at the GM to get that ball rolling is to set the theme and get everybody around the same feel and concept of what game you all want to run. And that may not be the game you want to run. They might go off and go in another direction. You have to be okay with that. Congratulations to like we're gonna open a bank. Exactly. <laughs> I in that game. It's so weird. But, like, I love it. But, yeah, but, really like, working start with them and like business. making and throwing like random crazy ass shit their way. Like when when they think they've gotten one over on you in a fun and like exciting new direction way, rather mm-hmm. than an antagonistic way. Because yep. that's that is one thing in terms of like um, first time <laughs> players and first time GMs. Um, I know people do enjoy it, but personally, I never have an antagonistic relationship between the GM and the players. Yeah. It's really yeah. sad I can't stand to that. me. No. 
No, I've played in a lot of those kind of D&D uh, D games and other, even Shadowrun and other games where it's like, my responsibility is to kill you all or to make things as difficult as possible. Yeah. And like, no, your responsibility is to help me make, tell a fun story. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. what your responsibility is. Or just, is. you know, if, if your group really likes to just like kill all the things and like... Um, and then the things that they can't kill and steal their loot, they just, you know, try to sneak past and steal their loot? Okay. Yeah. Yep. We've all been there. Yeah. Side note, Pooja. Uh, Other Doc just informed us via the chat that there's a game called Cheat Your Own Adventure. <gasps> yeah. Oh my that's God. Choose Your Own Adventure, but you, like, make it up as you... Like, this that's is my great. shit. Run that. Yeah. Answer the question. Run that thing. That just sounds amazing. That. Just yeah. run that. Right. We're going to be running that. Yeah. <laughs> Tune in to One Shot Saturday when we find this game. If I don't get to play in that, I'm going to be very upset. You're going to be there. Yeah. (laughs) It's really just going to be us. Literally, the amount of lonely hours as a uh, adolescent sitting in the library just reading. (laughs) So many. So many. So many hours. So many hours. Because I would just get dropped off at Joe's Greek Library and like, like. And I was so happy with that because they had air conditioning and there weren't mosquitoes. Yep. <laughs> Is she from the South? Yes. yes. <laughs> I've said y'all like 17 times today. <laughs> People didn't know I was from the South before. Nice. They ain't listening. Uh-huh. Sweet. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Does anyone yeah. have any yeah. closing thoughts for us? I, I love you all. Yeah. Yay. We love you. We love you. And the most, like, I think one of the overarching things like through all of these letters that we talked about like is empathy and really like opening yourself up to listen is the most important thing not just for in terms of people of color in a gaming space but in general to make the experience better for everyone listen mm-hmm. yeah. actually just make a better game and then make you a better person yep. uh, Jim Henson said that listening is the beginning and the ending Absolutely. Right on. And yeah, going back to what we said before, be comfortable like experimenting. And just if you if you cock it up, it happens, like whatever. We all mess up stuff all the time. And if that just goes back to you, if you hear or are suddenly informed that this isn't going the way you thought, listen and move on. Mm-hmm. It's a game. Like it's just like any game. You just move forward. Consider it like XP. You've learned and are growing. Yes. Indeed. Yes. Right on. All right. And it's every day is a struggle to become no, a better person. No closing thoughts. I've got no. You guys said all the good things. I said I <laughs> ran out of good. I don't have good things to say. Go watch Cloak and Dagger. Yep. Go That's watch Cloak said. and Dagger. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I knew how to do the ending part. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to mess up the top part. Cool. He's all up, right. coach. <laughs> 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 She's just like really carrying me through this because I'm bad at it. Um, so before we wrap up, where can we find everyone? I want to hype our stuff because we are oh. a beautiful unicorn commodity in the community. Well, you can find me on Twitter at plus ten to awesome, and also uh, I'll be running uh, Small Game Hunter. It's the last Saturday of every month where we explore small indie uh, uh, story and RPG games. And next time we will be playing Praxis, which is a jamless role-playing game by Jim Pinto. And also uh, coming up, uh, coming up uh, is Strategicon, our uh, our GameX convention. Uh, go ahead and check that out at strategicon.net. Um, it's super fun. Uh, this, uh, Not just fun, but super fun. It's yes, super fun. It's so fun. No, seriously, it's every kind of gaming you can possibly imagine under one roof for practically three days straight. Yep. So, seriously, if you like RPGs, board games, video games, war games, collectible card games, any kind of game you like, come over here and check it out. It's super fun. <laughs> and and uh, 
Happy Jacks also has a live podcast from there, and they do live APs. Yeah, which you can, which means that you can watch and and be uh, an active participant in, in this tomfoolery. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, Jim's not going to say this is Kimmy from off camera, but he runs the whole RPG section of it, so he's like one of the the big dogs at that convention. Yeah. So. Woo! Nice. <laughs> Do not like toot my own horn, but okay. Oh. <laughs> I'm Pooja. I'm um, You can find me at L-A-J-C Pearl uh, on Twitter. L-A-D-E-S-I G-I-R-L <laughs> And uh, don't forget about JaggerCon coming mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. It's June 22nd to 29th. Yes. <laughs> um, and we uh, and and several of my other panelists today will yeah. actually be starting a uh, wonderful new playthrough uh, or AP of Demigods. That's right. Oh starting god, what a great game! This <laughs> Sunday at four PM PST. If you are on the Twitches, and yeah. if not, it comes. You know, whenever the magic of that happens, I don't understand how scheduling works. Totally. Nope. Uh, you can find me on the Twitters at at J Holtham, H-O-L-T-H-A-M. Uh, yes, I will be here at Happy Jack's Saturday evenings with Scum and Villainy. Yes. yes. And then Sunday afternoons uh, with Demigods as well. Whoa. So super exciting. And as came up, I uh, write for Cloak and Dagger, Marvel's Cloak and Dagger, airing right now. Second season is airing right now on Freeform, so Thursdays at 8, uh, and so also on Hulu good. forever and ever and ever. So good. Did you have a cool read through happening right now too? Like, oh yeah, and I've got a reading coming up yeah. on April thirtieth of a play on April twenty eighth and thirtieth of a play what I wrote called Snake Skin Suit at the Pico Playhouse. Yes. Uh, you can find out more about that at Bespoke Plays on the Twitter at Bespoke Plays. So awesome. Sweet. And, uh, oh, and also don't forget Wild Wild Talents. Yeah. Uh, every other Wednesday, which yeah. is freaking awesome. Uh, that Kimmy runs. Nice. Sweet. <laughs> uh, and I'm Abria. You can find me on the internet at Quiddy. Uh, on Happy Jacks, you can find me. Uh, my finale of Dragon Heist is going to be <gasps> next Monday. Oh. Yeah, we, we're dragging them to the end. We will. We will successfully get through this campaign. <laughs> I mean, well, you'll get through the campaign. <laughs> One way or another, it's ending. <laughs> yep. Uh, along with demigods, every other Wednesday that isn't Wild Wild Talents, you guys can catch me on the Autumn People, which is Taffy's game with all of the Chronicles of Darkness splats all together, and I'm playing all the splats. Yeah, a snackromancer, like a chubby little mage. I had oh. a really bad migraine this last Wednesday, but I will be there and back, and it'll be wonderful. Uh, also. In May, May 17th to 19th, you'll actually catch me at D&D Live. Nice. So I will actually be running, I'm DMing there, so I'll be running a bunch of their epic tier games. Nice. I will probably be dressed like a giant tiefling. (laughs) So if you see a very tall tiefling, like say, what's up? Sorry. Race, cool stuff. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, and Saving Third Show, I'm guessing next Friday so yeah, you get to there too. so yeah bunch of stuff thank you so much for joining us uh, for the thank <laughs> y'all. volume one of Jock Jams which is what I'm calling this the Jock Jams hell yeah, yeah. Right. and if you'll have like once again I'm just gonna plug happyjacksrpg at gmail.com or the Happy Jacks forums um yeah. Happy Jacks.org slash forum. Yep. Happy slash forum. Um, come 
talk to us. We are here. Not necessarily at your beck and call, but at least like <laughs> I want to hear your experiences. Please give them to me. Not only that, but you'll find that there's a bunch of extra content for some APs on the forums as well totally. that you might find yeah. entertaining too. So there's a bunch of neat stuff to find. There's content, 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 content on the Happy <gasps> Jacks channel. And don't forget to listen and subscribe on the podcast and like leave comments because that's how we get bumped up to feed so everyone has to listen to us. Everyone. All the people. All right. I think that's it. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. We're listeners of Happy Jacks on Podcast. We get all our game news from douchebags galore. With reckless abandon, we pursue this a hobby from Michigan to Australia and maybe East Timor.